Good morning, I'm Donna Quinn. And for the next half hour, you'll be listening to Talk of Our Towns. We greet this new year with a mixture of hope and personal and planetary trepidation. How can we move into this new year with grace and gratitude? Today, my guest is Caitlin Stecker. She's an Internal Family Systems, or IFS, counselor here in Astoria. She's also uh, an international trainer, and she has taken some time out of her busy schedule to talk with us today at this very important time of transition. Good morning, Caitlin. Good morning, Donna. Good to be with you in the midst of this uh, amazing water experience. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Lots of water. Quite water, something. Rain and snow everywhere, it seems. Um, Kaylin, before we begin talking about how we can move from um, wherever we are into grace and gratitude, because where we are is obviously very challenging at this point in our lives and on the, in the life of the planet. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and IFS. Well, um, <clears throat> it's amazing to think. I've actually been here in the Astoria uh, North Coast area for 33 years now and um, been working with people both individually and couples and groups. I actually have two groups, which is just an incredible phenomena that have been going on for 25 years and a few people in each of those groups um, been in for that period of time. And the groups have now become like tribes for, for people. They have people who are at their back, even last night um, in the group, they talked about what it was like to live knowing that you have people that all you'd have to do is call out and 10 people would appear at your door to help you with no concerns or reservations at all. And and also just that sense of all of the sense of resources that gives. And that's one thing I want to say to people is that <clears throat> this is a time when we've been separated, <clears throat> that it's even more important to consider how, how can you create some kind of tribe for yourself, some kind of way in which you know that you have support in your world. And that takes a lot and it takes a lot of initiative. But I do think that it's one of the things we can do for ourselves now to help with the kind of uncertainty and the kind of challenges that we're experiencing. So we'll talk a little bit more about that later too, just with the idea of support and the, the difference it makes to feel like we have people that are there for us. Absolutely, because we are going through an extraordinary time where, which has been sometimes called the great unraveling and we're all grieving in a way and we need to do that communally. So we'll talk more about that too. I think you wanted to begin the program, the conversation today, with a poem by uh, poet, philosopher, David White. Yes, um, I've been working with this poem for the last few days and um, have found it to be an incredible map for kind of, um, I guess you'd say the, the kind of uh, challenges and, and uncertainties that we're dealing with right now and at this time on this earth. <clears throat> and it's got the great title of my courageous life. And there is something about that idea of courageous 
Um, you know, a lot of people know that it, um, that the word uh, comes from the French for heart and that courir, that sense of living from our hearts, which is something that's not easy for us to do in our society because we're really encouraged to live from our heads, to live from our thinking. And in fact, a lot of people develop that um, as a, a major you know, coping strategy because when you're, when you're thinking, you can't feel. Yeah, being able to imagine what it would be like to live predominantly from our heart rather than from our heads is one of the things I'd really love to support today. Um, and so in this poem, My Courageous Life, he starts by saying, my courageous life has gone ahead and is looking back, calling me on, which I think in itself is just a beautiful idea that there's some, some part of us that is, is calling us forward into our life in this courageous kind of way. And then the second line is one that I wanna really share with you a little bit. Um, my courageous life has seen everything I have been and everything I have not and has forgiven me day after day. And, and this is something also I've been working with for the last couple months is just the idea that Richard Rohr, a teacher of mine, uh, it's R-O-H-R, -R, if somebody wants to look him up, he's got lots and lots of videos and um, writings, a great, great teacher. Um, and he talks about the idea, can we forgive life and give, forgive reality for being what it is? And when I first heard that, I was just struck by that. It's like, wow, can I forgive reality for being what it is? And what does it take to, to be able to do that? Um, because so much of how we survived, you know, our early life, survived is a word, you know, but I mean, just even just coped with what, what was happening in our worlds around us as children, when a lot of times what was going on was really too much for little children. And so we developed ways of not being in reality, not really being present because it was too much. It was overwhelming. We talk about children need help to learn how to regulate their feelings because otherwise their nervous systems will get flooded and they'll really feel like they're gonna die with that. And so being able to, to recognize that we have all kinds of aspects of ourselves, strategies and parts that are designed to keep us out of reality, out of present time, because those parts don't know we've grown up and we're adult anymore, um, or that we're adult now and we're not a child anymore. And so that idea that we would consider, can we forgive reality for being what it is, is to me a powerful um, question to just kind of see if we could be curious about a bit. And what is it about reality right now, maybe that we could know that we don't want to forgive reality for it. We've got lots of things going on that we could be protesting and pretty mad about and pretty upset about and sad. And so this idea of being able to um, forgive ourselves and forgive life to me is a really potent 
kind of uh, response or attitude. Does that make sense to you, Donna? Yes, absolutely. I And we do live in a culture which encourages us to distract ourselves whenever we don't yeah. feel well or we're worried about yeah. things and and anesthetize ourselves. We're, yeah. we're, you know, so... So yeah. absolutely. So um, yes. So this poem does address so much of this. Yeah. Now that line is um, quite something. Maybe we can go back to that depending. The next one is my courageous life still wants my company and wants me to understand my life as witness and thus bequeath me the way ahead. And that also that, of course, that sense of being witness in our life that also has to do with the sense of being able to be present. So present, but having the capacity to actually witness, not just be in it, is so potent in so much part of the Buddhist, Buddhist philosophy and other spiritual traditions of saying developing that witness, developing that, that um, aspect of us that can be in the moment, but not of the moment in the sense that it, we're not taken over again, we're not overwhelmed by it or taken in into it so much that we have no perspective. So cultivating that witness to me is also a resource as a, and a, a way of responding that really can help. Um, and sometimes it feels like, oh, does that mean I'm dissociating or separating out? But it's a different kind of thing. It's really being there. Um, it's not completely going away. It's being there, but but witnessing, having perspective. So it's not being um, hardened into opinions, um, and and then we we think we are our opinions, which yes. we are not. Yes, which is really again, you know, great compassion for for all of us because whatever it is, like say attaching to our feelings and our opinions and our responses, as many people are as a way of trying to cope right now, it really makes it hard to interact with other people because those aspects of us that are attached to those ideas or those perspectives are really not relational. They don't really care about the relational aspect of our life. They're just wanting to try to take care of us. And so it makes it very difficult to have what people are talking about, these kind of, you know, caring, courageous conversations. You can't have a courageous conversation if the part of you that's in the lead says, I just need to take care of you. And that's the most important thing. And that's all that it's about. And again, being able to become aware of that when, when we feel ourselves bracing that sense something happens and we feel if we can our body bracing, that's an indication that we're in a reaction in a process that says, okay, now I have to go into protective mode or defensive mode. If we can catch that, if we can catch that moment of bracing, we might sometimes have choice about it that we don't normally have. Yes, actually, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day, and she said, oh, my husband's turning into this terrible curmudgeon, and he's just angry all the time. And I said, well, how much news does he watch? And she said, oh, at least two hours a day. Mm. So obviously, that's a time, at least. Yeah. So, yeah. so trying yeah. to find that kindness for ourselves and for others, mm. um, that seems essential right now. It is. It's just that it's so hard 
when we're overwhelmed and when we're stressed and when there's so much uncertainty and that again so many of our strategies as children um, that we developed to cope again have to do with taking us out of reality taking us into experiences that that neutralize what's going on and so <clears throat> again it's also it makes us unavailable to the moment and to experience it's really <clears throat> it's really hard and all, all i want to do is just say yes please you know have have compassion and see if you can every once in a while catch some of these things so the next aspect or the next uh, paragraph of the poem my courageous life has the patience to keep teaching me how to invent my own disappearance and how once gone to reappear again. And that's really what we've just been talking about. You know, when we disappear and we realize, oh my God, I don't even remember what I just said or um, what did I do yesterday or all of the ways that our minds right now are sometimes really taking us other places than the reality of now. So the next, my courageous life wants to stop being ahead of me so that it can lie down and rest deep inside the body it has been calling on. And that's one that in all of the uh, folks that I uh, work with and learn with um, in my practice, this, this line is really, or this paragraph of the poem have been, has been the most impactful. And I think it has to do with, you know, the society that we live in that says we should be doing and, 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 and accomplishing and um, having, you know, uh, goals and intentions that the idea to be able to lie down and rest in this body that we've been asking so much of is really potent. So I'm going to recommend for that um, <clears throat> that people check out their many yoga nidra and that's N-I-D-R-A practices on, on the web. Um, and especially a, a practitioner, Allie, that has some beautiful ones. She has one for starting 2022 and she has um, how to reboot your nervous system. But Yoga Nidra's deep rest, you can fall asleep with it, which is fine. But this deep rest where you're not quite asleep, but you're not in a wake kind of alert process and it's so soothing. And so, you're not always trying to accomplish something to better yourself even. You are, right. like David White says, you're letting yourself alone and um, uh, which is a form of compassion and forgiveness to, to not constantly be uh, striving. Um, and if you have just tuned in, you're listening to Talk of Our Towns. I'm your host, Donna Quinn. And today my guest is Caitlin Stecker. Caitlin is uh, an Astoria-based uh, internal family systems uh, therapist, counselor, trainer, does many things um, in, in the community and, and with people for and has for years. And we're talking today about how to welcome the new year with grace and gratitude. Uh, Caitlin, it is very hard though to to get to grace and gratitude when we are in such grief. There is so much grief now about the world we have lost because there's grief because of COVID, there's grief because of uh, social inequality, there's grief because of uh, planetary destruction. 
you know, there's there's so many, and Francis Weller in The Wild Edge of Sorrow talks about different the five different kinds of grief. So here we are, we are in a state of uncertainty and grief, and yet we wanna get to grace and gratitude, but how do we do that uh, without first acknowledging and somehow processing the grief? Well, and there again is one of the ways that we're a little handicapped um, truly in this society. And Francis Weller does talk quite a bit about this. And again, he's someone you can Google or go on internet, uh, Weller, W-E-L-L-E-R, Francis, um, and, and hear him talk about um, how we've gone to the secondary satisfactions rather than being able to have a life that really nurtures us and, and comforts us and that we're able to find security and solace in. And that part of that is that we do have natural griefs every day. I mean, even my friend used to say, every day we have the grief of that day of, that's going to end and will be never again. And yet there's also every other kind of grief that we experience as we age and all, I mean, obviously everybody knows what griefs are about, but we don't have a way of really supporting ourselves and feeling those griefs. And so it's really something that we need again to consider. And that's one of the things that I say every time we talk that, you know, I'm really gonna work on creating the opportunity for grief community in our, in our area as soon as we can get back, because we, in order to do that, we've got to be able to cry together and be together and hug and sing and whatever. So we're not quite there yet, but, but to make room and have to have someone that you say, can I call you when I feel sad and just be able to tell you about that. And so it doesn't have to be a therapist. It just can be someone who you believe can be with you and not have to try to fix it and not have to try to give you advice that can just listen to you when you're sad so that you make some room in your life for sadness because it's natural and necessary. Yeah. Indeed, and, and this might be a wonderful time to tell people about the long dark. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you wanna, you wanna uh, share about that? Donna, uh, well, you, you've okay. listened to it, haven't uh, you? I have, I've listened to it twice, uh, thanks to you, your recommendation. So, if you Google uh, Michael Lerner, L-E-R-N-E-R, -E and Francis Weller, W-E-L-L-E-R, they have a conversation entitled The Long Dark, which really addresses how where we are in our world today, this unraveling of the ordinary, um, and which also provides and brings opportunities. Um, and, uh, and so, but we can't... Uh, we can't have the opportunities and the joy without also acknowledging, as Caitlin has been talking about, the grief and the sadness we have at all of these changes that are happening in our world. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful conversation with someone who really lives a deep soul-led life. There's no doubt. He definitely models what it means to be in touch with the great mystery. And so, um, just to finish the, uh, this wonderful poem that people can get if they'd like the new book David White has out still possible of his poetry is just a beautiful um, support for these times. So he says, my courageous life wants to be my foundation, showing me day after day, 
even against my will, how to undo myself, how to surpass myself, how to laugh as I go in the face of danger, how to invite the right kind of perilous love, how to find a way to die of generosity. I love that last line, to die of generosity. But there is a reality, not just even a physical death of dying, but sometimes it can feel like uh, we have to kind of die to our attachments in order to be generous. And especially if someone's hurt us or there's been conflict, it can feel like we really have to submit in a way to be able to be generous and to forgive and to do a repair. And yet it makes life worth living when we know we can trust ourselves to do that. Yeah. Indeed. Um, and some of the things that I know when I feel disconnected or overwhelmed by grief and sadness of what's happening in our world, obviously silence, um, music, walks, poetry, deep rest, as you've talked about. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Forgiveness, 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 certainly um, yeah. is, is yeah. a theme that you have always uh, talked about. Yeah, yeah. And... And absolutely. And a lot of these things are, you know, just something that, you know, to give ourselves again, compassion for doing the best we can with what we have. It's again, so much, so much has to do with the support that we have. And, and that we know now from all the neuroscience that it's not what happens to us. It's the effect of what happens to us that creates what we call trauma or, you know, the distress or stress, because, you know, one person can experience something very similar and have a very different experience of it. But it's the meaning that we make of it and the effect that it has that creates what is lingering in our life often as unfinished business or wounding or again, um, a kind of stress that doesn't allow us to really be in the moment in our, in our lives and feel secure. And so some of that is again, you know, just what would it be like to forgive ourselves at times for the responses we have, recognizing that that's, the, that's what needed to happen right then. Some parts of us believed we needed to say, walk out of the room when we were having an argument because that was what was the most, at that moment, most um, skillful thing to do, even though the other person might've been upset and we might've felt like we you know, abandoned them in that moment. But to be able to then be curious about it and to be able to say, for some reason, I felt I needed to do that and to share that with the other person if we can. Because all of these aspects of how we treat ourselves ends up having to do with how we treat others. And if, the world. Yes, yes. Indeed, and the planet. Yeah. Um, that's yeah, absolutely. Exactly, that's yes. right. So, so finding within ourselves this acceptance, this surrender, this compassion, this yeah. heart-led existence, yes. which yes. we're being called upon, again, offer, crisis opportunity, crisis opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, to, to have a more, live a more courageous life, indeed. Um, and we just have a few minutes left, Caitlin. So mm -hmm. what other things would you like the listening audience to know? Well, um, we talked about, again, I mean, I, I think this idea, um, I'm going to go back again to this idea of support, because uh, we talk about, again, it's not what happens to us, but if we have support, 
a situation that without support may have been traumatic ends up with support often being strengthening and giving us what we call the resilience of, of living. And so I'm just gonna say, if anyone listening is open to the idea to consider who could you ask to be a support person for you in your life? And again, not as a therapist, not as a fixer, but just someone that you know you can call when you just need some connection. You just need somebody to know what's happening with you. And it can be your partner or your spouse. Well, that would require, though, us to be vulnerable, which is still yes. something that yes. we are uh, fearful of. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think that's where, why David White is writing this Courageous Life poem, because it takes courage to be vulnerable, to say, okay, I'm going to risk this because I have a sense that it's, it's calling me to being more than I am right at this moment. And so if we can, and, and to, yes, to be vulnerable, to call and say, would you be, I heard about this idea of having a support person. I wonder if you would want to be my support person. I'd be open to being yours. Could we talk about just being in each other's lives in that way right now when sometimes we don't, we don't get to meet for coffee because we're in, you know, needing to isolate or, or quarantine or all the rest of it, but to provide some support for yourself to, to not accept that you have to be alone in all of this. That, yes. Yes. The, grief a needs way. To be, yes. Grief needs to be experienced communally and that's yep. become a, a challenge for us in today's world. Yeah. Yeah. And life is meant to be experienced communally. We're hardwired for relationship. And so if we're not getting that kind of connection with people, we're going to be in distress just from that, no matter what else is going on. Oh, that's a beautiful way to 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 bring this all together is to reconnect with our deeper selves and allow ourselves mm -hmm. to deeply rest, to reconnect with others, with human beings, to reconnect with nature, with the earth, um, yeah. all of these things which give us this connection, because right now we feel disconnected because yeah. of everything that's going on and maybe not listening to the news maybe listening to things like I mean I know we want to know what's going on in some way but yes. it's still only going to be superficial anyway because so much of the news is out of context but yeah. um, I just listened to this wonderful book Guardians of the Trees and mm. and the website so finding these little things to connect us with other people who are doing things that we um, feel are heart-centered soul-based Yes. Yeah. How nurturing and, and nourishing that can be. Absolutely. And we live in a community, you know, and we can't yeah, be together all in the ways we want to. But um, I could say that I take solace at times just knowing I'm in Astoria with like-minded people who are here living this life in this beautiful area of water and trees. And, and that is comforting in itself. Thank you for your words of comfort and wisdom this morning, Caitlin. Yeah. Beautiful things to think about as we transition mm. into this new year. Thank you so much. I honor the work that you do and all, mm. of, all that you have done for me and for so many. Thank, thank you, you, Donna. It's been great to be with you. And thank you so much, Nevada, for engineering the program today. Also, my gratitude to local talented banjo instructor, Michael Bruin, for his original theme music for this program. Talk of Our Towns airs the first Thursday of each month at 9 a.m. 
So until we meet again, or actually just every day, if we can remember to just pause, have a little sabbatical in your day, a breathing sabbatical. So why don't we just at this moment, take a very deep breath together. It's so good for body, mind, and spirit. And then with gratitude, give yourself a loving and compassionate hug or a pat on the back for being uniquely you, for doing the best you can. We all are, and for being here now in this moment, the only moment that exists, the now moment, on the amazing planet we call Earth.